You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Miami Mayor Francis Suarez joined the Washington Post Live to discuss how the coronavirus pandemic is affecting the city of Miami and what he's doing to begin its phase reopening. Let's listen. Yes, welcome to Washington Post Live. Thank you, Bob. It's a pleasure to be with you. Mayor, you were one of the first leaders in the country to have COVID-19. How are you feeling, first of all, and how has that experience uh, affected your decision-making as mayor? I feel well. Um, It it affected my decision-making tremendously because I was completely asymptomatic uh, when I found out that I was positive. And and I found out that I was positive, it was sort of a fluke. Uh, I was in a council meeting. I was actually that that day going to issue uh, my uh, emergency declaration. And it became public that a member of a Brazilian delegation that was here in Miami had tested positive. So um, that person was in the room with me. Uh, we may have shaken hands. We may have spoken at a close proximity. Uh, and so our medical professionals, as well as our fire chief, uh, recommended that I self-quarantine, which I did. Uh, the Department of Health called me later that day and asked me to go and get tested, even though I wasn't uh, feeling any symptoms. And I was surprised to learn the following day that I was positive. And so uh, it was an incredibly uh, arduous journey for me because it wasn't just something as a, a private citizen would have to go through with their family. I had to go through this journey uh, completely publicly. And, and obviously, uh, the, immediately, the first thing I had to do was go public with it uh, because of the number of people that I come into contact with. We had to test over uh, 50 people in my administration, thankfully. Uh, they all tested positive along with my wife and, and my family that also tested, I'm sorry, they all tested negative along with my wife and my family that thankfully also mm-hmm. tested negative. No one tested positive. So we were fortunate that it didn't disrupt our operations, but it certainly uh, informed my decision-making because I was asymptomatic. Uh, I was lucky to not have severe symptoms throughout the process, but I right. used the process to journal and to give uh, our residents some hope that if you are infected with COVID-19, it's something that is survivable. um, And that's why I did the the daily journals. What's the reality in South Florida, in Miami? Uh, You hear so much about Florida reopening. That's what we hear in Washington with Governor DeSantis. But Miami, what's your assessment of of the reality of the virus there today? Miami has the most number of cases in all of the state. And so I actually commend the governor uh, for allowing uh, different parts of the state to go at their own pace. Um, he did not force Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties to open at the same time as the rest of the state. And actually, Miami-Dade and Broward uh, were the last counties uh, to open. We've actually decided to open a little later than our uh, than our county. Uh, and we've done it with Miami Beach. Uh, we've done it with Miami Gardens and Hialeah, which are the four largest municipalities within Dade County. And we've done that for a variety of reasons. The first is we wanted to obviously coordinate amongst uh, each other. Uh, The second reason is, uh, you know, the the county gave us the rules for opening very late the week before. And so we wanted our residents to have an opportunity to digest them and to implement them. Uh, And and the third reason is we wanted to sort of see how the county rolled out and to see if there were any adjustments that we needed to make and if there were any problems with the rollout. We've done it carefully and cautiously. You commended the governor for letting you do your own thing in Miami, Mayor. But do you wish that the governor and other parts of the state would move more slowly in their own reopening to let Miami and South Florida not just be isolated on on their own? Our biggest concern, frankly, is not so much the rest of the state uh, as it is our airport. 
Uh, one of the things that I asked uh, the president to do is to discontinue uh, flights from COVID-19 hotspots. Our airport, to give you some context, uh, is an international airport. We don't run it in the city, uh, but it has 50 million passengers, which is twice the population of the state of Florida. Uh, right now, at its diminished capacity, and it's uh, supposedly running at uh, you know 10% of its uh, total capacity, we still have 5 million passengers going through there, which is almost double the size of Miami-Dade County. So the big concern is that we've implemented stay-at-home orders, we've implemented, uh, you know, curfews. Uh, we've, we've taken all kinds of, of discipline approaches internally, and the concern is that we could see an uptick from people that are coming in from other COVID-19 hotspots throughout the world. Would you like to see a travel ban uh, be expanded? What, how do you think this needs to be handled in the months ahead at Miami Airport? So what we proposed was that they limit or, or stop uh, all travel from other COVID-19 hotspots. Understanding that for some places, we would be considered a COVID-19 hotspot for them. Uh, so, you know, that was our proposal to the White House. Um, our understanding is that he, the president has been in discussions with the governor and has considered um, discontinuing flights from Brazil. Puerto Rico made a similar request. And the week that we made the request to the president, uh, American Airlines voluntarily uh, shut down a lot of flights uh, from COVID-19 hotspots. So, I think the message is resonating and we're hopeful that, uh, you know, what amounts to the biggest threat to our city right now can be, if, if not, if those flights are not discontinued, at least can be regulated uh, to a greater extent where, you know, temperature monitoring, uh, have the, uh, you know, the airlines check passengers before, things of that nature. Right now, we're seeing very little to no uh, kind of enforcement. We have a question from a Washington Post reader, L.D. Cruz from Florida. She asked you, Mayor, which steps, is the, which steps are the city is the city taking to protect the elderly population, and do you fear for their safety? Of course, the elderly are the most vulnerable in our community, and so what we're doing is we're making sure that they, uh, first of all, are fed. We're making sure that they do not have to go to mass congregation meal sites, which is something that can expose them. Um, we are uh, making sure that they have uh, assistance. Uh, and, and the ability to be able to communicate with our government in terms of the needs that they may have on a day-to-day -day basis. So uh, we're doing everything that we can uh, to protect them, understanding that they are certainly the most vulnerable population in our community. And we have a very high elderly population as a city. Uh, Mayor, is that a, a lawnmower in the background in Miami? That's exactly what it is. We're gonna have to shut it down right now. No, no, that's okay. But I, it, it does show that Miami at least is partially reopened. You have some businesses there, landscapers. How do you make sure that they all have the testing they need to be working, to be interacting? Yeah, it's also part of the new reality where we're all working from home. So even though I see you see this fancy background, it's actually a virtual background. I'm actually in my uh, laundry closet. So uh, uh, what we do is uh, we are now, we have very broad-based testing in Miami. We're probably the city in Florida that has the most testing sites. And now we are at a point where we are testing people who are asymptomatic, as well as uh, those who are uh, have tested positive and want to retest in, in order to be able to go back to work safely. So we have essentially broadened our testing parameters uh, to essentially anybody that wants to get tested. Um, and, and frankly, we have uh, the capacity to test many more people than actually right now, unfortunately, are desirous of being tested. So. Uh, what we're urging people to do is, is to get tested. Uh, we're, we're making it uh, easy for them, ubiquitous. We actually have in-home testing as well. Uh, so people don't even have to leave their homes uh, to be tested. Uh, so we definitely urge our residents to get tested. 
uh, you know, whether they feel symptomatic or not. You mentioned uh, Miami Beach. I love Joe's seafood down there. I've been down there many times. Great food. Is Miami Beach going to be open for this holiday weekend? The beaches are not, and neither are uh, the hotels. Uh, and, and that's a decision that our uh, uh, my colleague, Mayor Dan Gelber, has made. And I respect that, and I actually agree with that decision. One of the things that we see, and one of the reasons why we got together as cities in terms of this phase one opening and, and made it a little different than Miami-Dade County is because we know that what we do impacts the other cities. And, we, and then what happens is, as mayor of Miami, I sort of... Uh, take the heat for all the cities. Uh, if, if, if a city decides like Miami Beach to open its beaches and there's a flood of people at the, at the beaches, it gets national news and then I'm the one that gets the call. So uh, my good friend, Mayor Gelber, uh, was very uh, nice and sympathetic to me and decided not to, uh, you know, not to open the beaches and follow what I think is a sensible path. Um, we've seen in beaches throughout the U.S. for whatever reason, um, people just not respecting uh, the rules, and it's very difficult to police and patrol. You just don't have the manpower to be able to patrol that amount of landmass uh, where people are just not uh, not following the rules. And in terms of enforcement, what's it like to be Miami's mayor and talk to your police chief? Are you telling them to be tough on social distancing, to be a little hands-off? How do you balance that? Well, the way we're balancing it is we got the rules uh, very late, unfortunately, last week. Uh, which is part of the reason why we postponed our opening instead of from Monday, like the county, to Wednesday, uh, which is today. Uh, and then our restaurants are a week from today uh, so that they can digest what is a 185-page manual of rules. We're doing it with uh, about a dozen or so ambassadors. We want to go out there and first educate the public. We don't want to be heavy-handed. Uh, we want to make sure that people are complying and that they understand the rules. And we feel that if, uh, if the rules are articulated to them clearly, and they understand them that they'll comply because nobody wants to go backwards. And obviously our criteria for advancement is based on, on data. And so if the data does not indicate that we're going in the right direction, we'll either have to stop or potentially uh, go in the opposite direction and reverse some of the uh, openings that we've, uh, that we've done. And that would be you know, catastrophic, I think more catastrophic even than, than we currently find ourselves in, in terms of an economic uh, circumstance that we're in. So we wanna avoid that at all costs, obviously, if our ambassadors see people that are flagrantly violating the rules, or if our residents uh, call us and tell us that people are flagrantly violating the rules, we have the ability to escalate that up to our code compliance department uh, to potentially shut the business down or even our police department if necessary. I wanna come back, Mayor, to that point you made about the governor. You said you commended him for giving you space to make your own decisions. But behind the scenes right now, are you under any pressure from the governor, his allies in the business community, to change your timeline, or do you feel that you can really, in the next six to 12 months, make the decisions that you want to make for Miami? Honestly, I don't. Uh, I have to say that in the times that I've called him, first of all, he's been accessible, which is, is important. Uh, second of all, he's been transparent, uh, with me at least, uh, in terms of what he sees our strengths and weaknesses in, in this entire process. Um, and you know, he's helped me uh, be able to navigate the bureaucracy of the state which can be at times cumbersome and sometimes uh, bureaucratic and, and people may not want to make uh, decisions because we we rely on the Department of Health to make decisions about uh, openings because the criteria, the gating criteria that's been established is data driven and they are the holders of that data. Uh, there have been moments where we've had issues with the data, uh, which have been you know concerned um, and, and there have been uh, data dumps that I think make it difficult for us to interpret the data. And those are things that you know the governor has been very clear about as well and has been very transparent about 
Um, and they de it definitely makes things a little more complex and difficult as decision makers. But in terms of supporting our decisions, uh, when we open, how we open, we've had uh, total flexibility. And hopefully, um, you know, we can continue along the path to a phase two, assuming that the data and the experts that we're consulting, the biostatisticians and the epidemiologists, uh, agree that that's the next step that we should take. How are you dealing, Mayor, with the influence of President Trump? Many people in Miami, it's a Republican area in some respects, in some parts of it. You're a Republican, though it's a nonpartisan office. The president is now taking hydroxychloroquine. Uh, are you concerned about his decision at all and how it could affect people in Florida? You know, we don't get too caught up with a lot of that stuff. You know, a lot of it is obviously fodder for national um, debates and discussions. But in Miami, we're, we're, we're on the ground. And on the ground, you're focused on making sure that your business community understands what the rules are, making sure that you're making uh, decisions based on the science and the data and the experts that you're consulting, and making sure that, uh, you know, that everything is, 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 is doing well in terms of, you know, policing our city and the things that we have to do on a day-to-day -day basis. So we don't get too caught up in that. Uh, obviously, we understand that there, you know, the, we're, not, we're not living in a bubble. We understand that there's a national political election, there's local congressional elections, and all of that to some extent influences uh, the, some of the rhetoric. But we, uh, we try as much as we can to stay out of that and to be focused on making data-driven decisions. Well, let's talk about something local. You just talked about policing, Mayor. What's your response to the case of Dr. Armin Henderson, who, as you know, was cuffed, recently nearly arrested in Miami, a, a black doctor? Uh, it drew national headlines, but it's a Miami story. It is. I, I've spoken multiple times with Dr. Henderson, and what he's doing is, is God's work. Uh, he's trying to make sure that the homeless in our community are tested, are getting medical care. Um, we're trying to be as supportive as we can uh, of his organization uh, called the Dream Defenders. Uh, in fact, I spoke to him uh, just on Friday and helped place uh, a couple dozen homeless in shelter in advance of what seemed like would be a tropical, um, in, you know, tropical storm coming this weekend. So. You know, we're doing everything we can to work with him. Uh, our, the homeless in our community are, um, you know, we don't have some of the homeless issues that other cities across the country have. We have a little less than 800. Uh, but in terms of, of the incident uh, with him, I spoke to him. I, I expressed my regret over the incident. And the officer who, um, uh, you know, who detained him essentially was reprimanded for, um, you know, making some mistakes in policy and procedure. Let's get into this. You just mentioned the hurricane season that's approaching and starts in a couple weeks, hurricane season, and South Florida has seen some close calls already. You're dealing with a pandemic. You're in the middle of it. You're mayor of a major American city. Now hurricane season coming along. What are, what's your plan, your strategy for dealing with hurricane season coinciding with the pandemic? Yeah, it's, it's much more challenging, obviously. We are accustomed to beginning the conversation of the beginning of hurricane season around this time. And so our residents are sort of experts at dealing with that, that kind of natural disaster. When you combine that with a pandemic, it just makes it uh, that much more difficult. I mean, it's difficult enough to run the city and to try to reopen the city carefully uh, without a looming hurricane season. And so we are, uh, you know, we're doing what we do during hurricane season, but we're layering on top of that uh, the additional rules and regulations that we placed on, on, uh, on our residents throughout this uh, pandemic to make sure that, you know, for example, stocking up on, 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 on canned foods and, and, and having the kinds of 
of items that need to be stored uh, during a hurricane that we have the capacity uh, in terms of the throughput in our supermarkets to be able to meet that demand. Do you need more money from Washington? We, I've been a proponent of uh, the second stimulus, um, and I also have been a proponent of, and I think there have been some movement on modifying the first stimulus to allow cities to use those funds uh, to pay for first responders. I think it would be a tremendous tragedy if at the end of, of our budget year, which is in September, we have to cut the salaries of those who have been on the front line uh, throughout this crisis. And really all our employees are our frontline employees because that's not only our police and our fire firemen, it's our general employees that support our police and fire. It's our sanitation workers who are exposed. Uh, so our entire city workforce has, has met this challenge and it would be you know, awful if at the end of the year we would have to cut their salaries or furlough them. So I, I, do, uh, I, do, I have led a, a bipartisan a group of mayors throughout the country to advocate for the, the portion of, of uh, you know, the second stimulus bill that would help cities with their budget deficits. I do believe that that's something that we should get some federal funding for. You said, Mayor, that you're getting ready in terms of food for hurricane season, but what about possible displacement of people in Miami due to the hurricane and having a pandemic at the same time, homelessness, how are you going to confront that? I can't tell you, Bob, how enormous a challenge that is, and I'll tell you why. When we had Hurricane Irma, which was the last major hurricane that we had in the city, we had evacuated a large portion, uh, tens of thousands of people in Miami-Dade County, but we evacuated them to shelters, and in, in these shelters, they're congregating. So if, if mass congregation is, is the major uh, concern and worry, um, you, have, uh, you, know, you have two things that are interacting that don't really speak to each other. I've often said that the virus doesn't talk to business owners. It doesn't, it doesn't care about businesses and the business owners don't necessarily uh, interact, you know, a good business environment doesn't necessarily interact with a good virus-free environment. And so when you talk about uh, hurricane prevention uh, and hurricane uh, preparedness, and you're talking about the possibility of tens of thousands of people being um, in, a, in, in some sort of a shelter, uh, now you have the added uh, issue that you have to distance those people within that shelter and that uh, pro provides a, a never before seen challenge. Just to wrap up here, Mayor, to go back to our, our talk at the beginning here about your own experience, you've been dealing with COVID-19 on a personal level as well as a professional level. We've seen pictures of people in Florida, Miami included, not wearing a mask in public. W what's your view on that? Should people be wearing a mask in public at all times as someone who's dealt with this, this disease? Right now, uh, we don't have that as a requirement. We have that as a strong recommendation. We do have um, basically in any facility, uh, for example, today we're reopening our parks and we are requiring the mask be worn in the parks unless you're doing exercise, of course, or unless you have a small child. Uh, the small child obviously doesn't have to wear the mask. But uh, we are requiring masks in basically every single establishment in the city. Um, every single business, not only for the customers, but also for the employees. So, you know, where the wearing of masks is, is another preventative measure and in addition to the social distancing that could, uh, you know, significantly reduce the chances of someone getting COVID-19. So it's certainly a, a, a strong recommendation on our part. Any chance you would ever formalize that, make it in order? It is possible, absolutely, um, uh, depending on how uh, people behave. A lot of this is behavior driven. You know, we, um, 
I always say that there's two paths. There's the path of responsibility and the path of irresponsibility. And we're hoping that our citizens take the path of responsibility so we can continue on a downward trajectory and meet the gating criteria for phase two. But if they take the path of irresponsibility, we certainly are willing uh, to make adjustments and, and even unfortunately have to reverse some of the things that we've done to get us here. Mayor Suarez, that's all the time we have, but I'm glad to hear you're well and uh, best wishes in Miami. Thank you, Bob. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.